Welcome to the Software and Technology Podcast, brought to you by MarketScale. I'm your host, Elmer Guardado. While crypto has become a hot-button issue in many industries, blockchain has remained in the background due to its association with the volatile currency. Mike Templeman joins us today to talk about how this association has actually held back blockchain and kept us from embracing its true potential. How you doing, Mike? Doing well, Elmer. How are you? I'm good. I'm good. Thanks for asking. So uh, why don't we just start at ground level and why don't you tell us a little bit about what your experiences with cryptocurrency and, and this market? Absolutely. So, uh, you know, I run a digital agency and about uh, three years ago, we got involved with a group that came to us. Uh, their name was Dash or Darkcoin at the time uh, and kind of helped bring them to market, uh, brand them, do all their uh, digital work. Uh, lo and behold, they end up being you know, a, a top five digital currency out there named uh, with Bitcoin and Ethereum and these types of groups. Uh, but at the time, we didn't really know. We, we, we didn't know them much from uh, Bitcoin. That's the only thing we really knew about uh, cryptocurrency. So uh, kind of grew into the space because of that. And, you know, since then, uh, we, we've worked with probably over 80 uh, cryptocurrency clients, uh, have worked on ICOs, you know, the initial coin offerings, which uh, Silicon Valley on HBO is making fun of right now uh, for due reasons too, because it's it's a crazy landscape out there. Um, and then also, uh, you know, working with exchanges and new startups and technologies and all these different groups that uh, work within uh, the cryptocurrency space. And I've just been exposed to really everything out there when it comes to crypto. Cool, cool. So can you tell us a little bit about blockchain and why and how it became a secondary idea to cryptocurrency and, and maybe why crypto tainted it a little bit? Well, so that's uh, what I try and you know proselytize while I while I do uh, uh, while I'm an evangelist for uh, blockchain. People say, "Oh, he's a crypto nut," but no, truthfully, I'm not. Actually, I think cryptocurrency is in a very awkward phase right now, um, and it needs to mature in a significant way, uh, or or you know risk some pretty perilous uh, uh, stretches here. But the underpinning technology of cryptocurrency is blockchain technology and you know all the smartest people that invested in the internet and invested in internet 1.0 and 2.0 uh, the PayPal's and the eBay's and Yahoo's and these groups um, they're all dumping massive amounts of money into blockchain technology uh, either through their investments or through uh, research or, or any number of ways and that that makes you realize that there's something here with blockchain technology and it's disruptive and, and very much so it is because all the things that ail us right now in the current internet uh, which if you were to talk to anybody, what's your biggest concern about browsing the web or going online is security. You know, what's happening with my data? We've had thousands of breaches in the last decade, the major ones with Equifax and with Target and all these groups getting breached. And, you know, just from a security point of view, blockchain solves so many issues because as a quick primer, Distributed ledger technology, which is what blockchain is, it's basically uh, a network of computers that all do checks and balances on each other. And it does not rely on one single source of data as the uh, the. the uh, the Bible or the gospel there. So where you had uh, with a lot of these breaches, people would get into a server and steal all your data and steal all your information with blockchain. 
if someone were to get into one computer and change information, they can't actually modify the information in that server and they can't steal your money and those types of things because it's then going to be checks and balanced by these other computers on the network and they would have to hack 51% of the network to do that and it's all it's an impossible task with a lot of these uh, blockchains that are out there you know there are some smaller blockchains where yeah I mean you're talking about getting into 50 computers someone could do that if they put their mind to it but once the blockchain gets to a certain level it, it becomes secure in and of itself just based on the scale the scale of it and that's just one aspect of it when we talk about security. There's also use cases in politics and healthcare and all these things because you, you think about it, you could uh, uh, run elections on the blockchain and ensure that there's no voter fraud. You could do uh, health records on the blockchain and make sure that there's no medical errors. I mean, there's so many things you can do with it. And people are building all of this on there right now. So it's not just conjecture of what you can do with it. This is becoming a reality. But all anybody talks about is cryptocurrency because it's the main use case for blockchain right now. And, you know, last year, Bitcoin really had its moment in the sun where everybody was talking about it and it was the biggest thing since sliced bread and your grandparents were investing in it and it, it had all the markings of a bubble and then the bubble popped and everybody all of a sudden now says, ah, put, they push it all to the wayside because the, it's not sexy anymore. But I, I, I keep screaming. I'm like, that was just one use case that, you know, kind of popped. There are so many things that involve blockchain that we need to be paying attention to right now. So do you think it's 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 sheer association with crypto is is what's bringing it down and, and, and impeding its growth then? Well, absolutely. And the, the thing is, is that, you know, crypto is its primary use case right now. And it, it was started by a bunch of libertarians who didn't want any government oversight. And who doesn't like government oversight? Libertarians. Oh, and criminals. So, you know, because of that, a lot of criminals kind of migrated to it. And we found out that there was a, you know, the Silk Road was being driven by Bitcoin and that's where everything was uh, getting transacted. Uh, but at the same time, you also saw um, the, the issues with uh, um, not just the Silk Road, but Monero and some of these other anonymous cryptocurrencies are providing a framework for money laundering, for criminal acts, um, or if it's not criminal activity, it's bubble activity. Oh, well, you know, it's it's just it's fake. It's ethereal. It doesn't matter. It's not real. Um, and people aren't going to put value in cryptocurrency. But, you know, what is any currency? It's all based on just uh, the, 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 the will of the people to actually put value in it. So those things get associated with blockchain and therefore it gets devalued. And what I draw uh, correlations to is, you know, when the internet came out, if all you ever saw on the internet was porn, so you went to, that's all it was used for, then everybody would have discounted the internet as just a fringe network of you know, individuals who are using it to get their jollies off, but it didn't actually have any real use case. They wouldn't have seen the banking, the healthcare, and it's revolutionized our lives. But now we can all look back on it and say, well, of course, I mean, it, it's common sense. And that's what blockchain is. It's common sense that this is required and this is needed. But again, it's just its current use case and its main format of uh, being in the world right now is kind of a jacked up scenario. And Therefore, the technology is is not, uh, you know, it, it's not getting the, the attention it deserves.
Right. So I'm curious, is there anyone out there doing something different with blockchain that specifically excites you or, 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 or would prove to be a good case study for why and how blockchain has, uh, you know, a, a myriad of uses? Mm -hmm. Well, I mean, first off, I would look at cybersecurity and there are so many groups and that's probably the main use case that everybody is using blockchain for right now. And you just do a little bit of research into what's going on. And so many people are using it to now rectify the issues that we had with centralization of servers. And uh, people say, well, everything's in the cloud. Well, yeah, it's in the cloud, but it's centralized in the cloud. It's in these giant server farms or it's, you know, it's, it's, it's under the purview of one organization. And so just from a, a cybersecurity point of view, it has just so much value and it's going to do so much to change our lives there. But let's look at the other use cases that are out there. Uh, one of the big ones that, you know, people have been talking about extensively in the United States over the last couple of years has been voter fraud. Um, and and what that means. So how can people vote multiple times or they're using dead people to vote or, you know, there's been a couple of different scenarios where people have identified this. But in other countries, this is a major issue. I think what we have in the United States, some countries would kill for quite literally to be able to have that kind of freedom uh, of elections. And, and you see this where, um, you know, in Egypt right now, they, they literally have puppet candidates to go up against. Against, uh, the people that are in power um, or that uh, there's active voter suppression or there's a rampant voter fraud. You know, there was a joke uh, a couple years back when Putin won again in Russia. Um, you know, a bunch of people on Twitter were saying congratulations to Putin for winning again. By last count, he had 102 percent of the popular vote. Um, and but that stuff is true. And if you think about putting a distributed ledger for elections, that would mean that every vote is counted but then it's also checks and balanced against itself with other ledgers out there so that people can't go in there and manipulate these ledgers and change the votes and, and do voter fraud. It would make it so much harder. So in that use case, there's, I mean, it, it, there, there are so many places in the world that would just love to have that technology being distributed. And someone said uh, there was some fake news going on. And I know fake news. I, I putting my quotations up when I say that. Um, but there really was a fake news story about an African nation using the blockchain to do their previous election. And they came out and said, absolutely, we're not. We don't have any of this technology in place. Uh, but it would have been great because it would have shown, hey, here's a blockchain in the real world solving a real world problem. So from you know that to your health record, to securing uh, people's personal data and not centralizing any of your data in one certain spot, but having it distributed. I mean, there, there's so many uh, reasons you would want that. And so basically what it does for any technology out there is it, it makes it almost infallible in the sense that it has to go through all these different secured checks that cannot be manipulated the way that current computer systems can be. Right now, it's too easy for people to go in and mess with your data, take control of uh, servers, take control of anybody's uh, information, and it fixes that. And so as we move to living 100% digitally and in the digital space, 
you need that security. I've been the victim of secure of uh, uh, identity theft, and it was perpetrated online. And I had actually really good cybersecurity in place or, or OPSEC in place, uh, but it still didn't matter. People, if they're dedicated enough, can get through that. So we need better systems and not just better security. Right. So then do you just think it's it's kind of a waiting game right now? Do we just need to wait for crypto to die down a bit so blockchain gets its proper spotlight? Absolutely. I mean, if you look at it, uh, so many of the new startups that are being funded by, you know, Sequoia Ventures or uh, USVP or some of these massive uh, groups that have bet on all the right players, you know, Google and Facebook and PayPal and all these uh, groups, they're investing in blockchain so heavily that all these new use cases for blockchain are going to come to the forefront. And it is going to be very much like cloud technology. So if we go back uh, about 10 years or a little bit more, about 15 years ago, 2005-ish, uh, 2003, I remember being in uh, you know the business world back then. Uh, cloud was kind of whispered in corners and different uh, areas of, uh, of uh, the business world, but it wasn't really a thing. And People started tagging their businesses with cloud, saying, oh, we're cloud-enabled technology, or we're moving to the cloud, or we're doing that. And nobody really got what it was. But then in 2008, 2009, 2010, people started adopting it heavily, and it became commonplace in business. So people started accessing their data from the cloud. You have like our business ourselves, our agency is completely cloud-based. So you can work remotely anywhere in the world and access everything you need. But then the general population in 2009, 2010, they didn't really get what the cloud was. To them, they were still saying stuff like, oh, it's in the cloud. What does that even mean? But everybody in business was like, no, that that's common sense and it needs to happen because it makes everything better. But then from 2010 to 2015, everything migrated to the cloud. Everybody started storing their stuff on Dropbox, on Apple Cloud, iCloud, and all these things. And now everybody kind of just, you know, takes it for granted that yeah, everything's on the cloud, and I'm totally secure with it being on the cloud. But you don't get that. Like five, ten years ago, people forget very quickly how terrified everybody was of stuff being on the cloud. That it was going to be out of their control, and you know, I don't have control of it anymore. And now everybody lives on the cloud, and it's secondary to everything else. That's what's going to happen here. So cryptocurrency is the initial, you know, deployment of blockchain, and it's only whispered about in corners. And you know, the savvy people are going after it. And in three to four years, every Everybody in business is going to talk about the blockchain and people are going to start tagging their stuff with blockchain, even though it's not really blockchain. And then four to five years after that, it's going to be commonplace in everybody's lives and everybody's going to use it. But now that's how cloud went through. But I think what we've seen is everything's been accelerated with the internet. Everything goes out faster and faster and faster than the previous version did. So while we say it might take four to five years for even business to catch up, I mean, this could happen in 12 months, could happen in 18 months. Things just move so breakneck, breakneck fast nowadays that we, we can't really predict how fast this stuff is going to be adopted, but it is going to be much faster. And so I think it's going to take a very, very similar road to mainstream as cloud technology did. Right. So Mike, I'm, I'll leave you with this last question. What, what are you hopeful for? What in an ideal world, what does the future of blockchain look like? Is it, is it just that it's, it's become as ubiquitous where it is penetrating all these different industries? Yeah, I think that that's the ideal scenario is that it, it penetrates all these different industries, but I'm even more hopeful that it, it actually does change lives when it comes to 
third world countries and developing nations in that it does provide uh, uh, an added layer of security and uh, accountability for groups. So governments can't do what they usually do and banks can't do what they usually do, which is take advantage of people. Let's be honest. Governments and banks don't have individuals' interests in mind. They have uh, in the government either a collective interest or you know a certain individual's interest. And in the bank's point of view, it's, it's all about the corporation. And individuals are kind of left uh, to the wayside. And that's why libertarians have gravitated towards it so much because it really does decentralize power as well. While it does decentralize information, data, and security, it decentralizes power, which is so appealing to libertarians, but it should also be appealing to anybody in a developing nation that doesn't have, uh, you know, certain protections. And, and even in developed nations like the UK and the US, where uh, oversight and surveillance has become so commonplace, it, it, it takes some of that away and it gives it back to the people. And I, and I think that that's a beautiful thing. Uh, and I'm not trying to be hyperbol hyperbolic there. I, I really think that that's something that we've given up and that we've lost. And, you know, I, I I believe that blockchain is a way to get back that control and get back that uh, democratization of really everything and, and bring it back to the people's power and, and kind of uh, give visibility to some very dark corners of, uh, of the world. Well, Mike, thank you so much for joining us and sharing this all with us. I appreciate your time so much. My pleasure, Elmer, anytime. I'm glad to be here. Thank you for listening to today's podcast. If you'd like to find out more or listen to previous episodes, you can go to marketscale.com industries and subscribe to articles, podcasts, and video content for your favorite industries. I'm your host, Elmer Guardado. Have a good day.